Sanctuary, can you put your hands together and help me thank our worship team and our band. Thank you, Jesse, for uh, jumping in this week and uh, leading us in worship. Thank all of you for um, being here today. Good morning. My name is Edrin, a lead pastor here at the Sanctuary, and it's an honor and privilege to be able to stand before you this morning um, as we continue in worship together. Um, as we jump into the message today, I want to just take a moment first and lift up a few prayer uh, concerns before our congregation. Um, I had a, a conversation with our, our actual prayer ministry here at the church a couple weeks ago, and they are just passionate about prayer and want to encourage us to continually as a congregation to find space and time to be praying together. And so each week when you come in, you should get a, a small prayer uh, slip in your bulletin, or if not, you can get one from our hospitality team. We want to encourage you to be filling those out to let us know as a church how we can be praying for you throughout the week. Um, if there are praise reports that you have, we would love to know those as well so we can thank God for what uh, God is doing in the life of our church. Um, Right after our second service today, we'll have what's called Starting Point. It's an opportunity for new folks here at Sanctuary to just hear a little more about our church. Uh, we get to hear a little bit of your story. Um, we would encourage you to please, if you're new to Sanctuary, you've been here just a couple weeks or a couple months, please consider stopping by Starting Point today. If you're here at the early service and you, you're wondering, what am I supposed to do until after the second service? Go grab brunch on yourself and then um, come back um, to be a part of that, that brief um, gathering. <clears throat> that we call Starting Point. And then later this afternoon at 4 p.m., we'll have our My Church gathering. Um, in, in, in churches that I grew up in, they were called business meetings, but we try to spice them up a little bit. We share a meal together at the beginning. Um, then we do some ministry updates. We pray about the future of our church, and then we, we go home. Um, we will today offer an update um, about the conversation that we've that has been happening in our denomination around human sexuality um, in First Covenant Church here in Minneapolis. And so we would encourage all of you to come to be a part of that meeting and hear that update as we determine together how we as a church uh, continue to move forward. Sanctuary has always been a safe space for all people, and we want to figure out even more so now to clarify what does it mean for us to continue to serve all people well from within uh, our denomination's stance on human sexuality. And so we'll, we'll begin that with an update this afternoon and begin that conversation moving forward from there. We also want to be praying for our sister, Gerilyn Roberts, who... Um, this week lost her younger brother in St. Paul to gun violence. Um, we have been praying with and meeting with Gerilyn and her family throughout this week, serving um, them and coming alongside them. And we want to continue to lift them up in prayer as they prepare uh, to lay her brother to rest um, in the coming days. We also want to be praying for all who are sick and grieving um, in our congregation. We always want to be praying for our, our church as a whole and praying for this community that we call North Minneapolis, this, this home of ours. And so if you would just bow your heads with me, we want to pray together, um, and then we're going to jump into this word. Father, thank you. Thank you, God, that you love us with an everlasting love. Thank you that we are not left up to our own devices, that you have loved us in ways that we didn't even know we needed to be loved. You've blessed us in ways we have not yet seen and recognized. You have been faithful to us. So, Lord, we pray that your hand of blessing and protection will continue to be on us. We lift up our sister Gerilyn, our brother Benny, and their family 
as they walk through this season of grief. Lord, would you please be their strength, be their guide, their comfort. God, we pray that you would continue to help us to know how to come around them and lift them up in prayer, to support them and journey with them through this. Father, we thank you that you are with us in life's ups and downs. And we ask, Lord, that you would continue to be our God in that way. And we pray for our brothers and sisters around the world who are not able to gather and worship in public, for whom it would be illegal to do this. We remember them today, and we pray, God, that you would continue to bless them as well. God, we are grateful for what you're doing all around the world, the way in which your gospel is bringing life into places that are full of death and light to places that have been ruled by darkness for so long. Help us, Lord, to be your people. Now bless us in, in this moment, God, to, to hear your word clearly. Help me to communicate it in a way that would connect to your people's hearts and minds and move us forward as a congregation. God, we are grateful for your word, that we don't have to guess and pull things out of a hat that you've given us, your word, which is able to lead and guide us towards the holiness that you call us to. So be with us now, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have Bibles this morning, I want to ask you to go ahead and open them up to the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians, um, that's in the New Testament, and I want to give you some time to find it if you have never hung out in that part of the Bible before. Uh, it'll also appear on the screen when we need it, but I just want you to go ahead and get it ready. A few years ago, there was a very popular game happening on social media that was called the Gospel Challenge, hashtag Gospel Challenge. And in the Gospel Challenge, one person was challenged or called out by another person and then given 24 hours to record and post a video of themselves singing a gospel song of their choosing. The videos were everywhere. And some of them were really, really good. I remember watching some of the videos and, and being taken on a trip down memory lane to that small Baptist church that I grew up in near Charleston, South Carolina, and remembering like, man, there are so many rich, beautifully written gospel songs that help us to know and love God. And some people posted videos of songs I had not heard since my childhood. See, I grew up in a church where sometimes the musicians didn't show up. Sometimes they just didn't show up, but it didn't matter. Those old church mothers would start singing, and those deacons would follow in behind them, and they'd be patting that wooden floor, and they'd be doing their thing, and it was as if heaven and earth came together in that place. When I checked out those videos in the Gospel Challenge, it took me back to my childhood. But some of the videos were not so good. It seemed that for every one where the singer had actual talent, there were dozens of others where people had voices that only a mother could love. For every one that made you want to lift your hands up in worship, there were others that were better suited for just the shower, or perhaps when you're alone in the car during rush hour. For every one that was awesome, there were many that gave new relevance to John 11:35, where the writer says, "Then Jesus wept." What's funny is some of those videos were. And as awesome as it was to take a trip down memory lane, 
My intent this morning is to actually draw our attention towards a different kind of gospel challenge, one that we must be aware of and respond to if we really desire to see kingdom transformation take place here in North Minneapolis. The gospel challenge that I want us to consider this morning is a challenge that is as old as this nation itself and is entrenched in the fabric of this great experiment that we call America. That challenge is that in many urban communities, the church has not always carried itself as a trustworthy institution. And as we strive to do ministry here in North Minneapolis, it's important for us to know that there will be many who will have issues with the church. As we seek to serve this community, we will undoubtedly encounter people who see churches at best as impotent or irrelevant, or at worst, as a real threat to their well-being. I call this the real gospel challenge. Because if we leave it unattended, if we are blind to this reality, the reputation of the church will continue to get in the way of the mission of the church. Brothers and sisters, we've got ourselves a gospel challenge. We're in week two of a series that we're calling an altar in the city. It's a five-week journey where we examine what it means to be an urban church, more specifically what it means for us to be a North Minneapolis church. We're organizing these messages around a series of we believe statements. Last week, I kicked off the series with a statement that said, we believe that God is present and active in North Minneapolis. We believe that God is present and active in North Minneapolis. That was our message last week. We looked at Genesis 28 and the story of Jacob as he encounters God in a place that had not seemed to be a holy place. And after Jacob encountered God there, Jacob cries out in a loud voice, Surely God is in this place, and I did not know it. Jacob goes on to say, through both fear and excitement, How awesome is this place! He says, this is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And the reminder for us last week was that there are no God-forsaken places. So as we move forward as a North Minneapolis worshiping community, I encouraged us to seek out the presence of God in North Minneapolis, to celebrate the presence of God in North Minneapolis, and to help cultivate the presence of God in North Minneapolis. And today... In this second message in the series, An Altar in the City, our guiding statement is this. We believe that we must earn and tr- maintain trust in North Minneapolis. We believe that we must earn and maintain trust in North Minneapolis. Perhaps you're here today and you're unfamiliar with why anyone would distrust the church. Perhaps you're here and you've been operating under the impression that our helpful intentions would always be met with receptivity and excitement, and you've been rather surprised that that has not always been the case. If that's you, you're not alone. Actually, that's a very natural perspective to have. All of us want to be liked. All of us want to be accepted. All of us want our goodwill efforts to be appreciated. But as we seek to do ministry in an urban context, I want to help us see today that trust and acceptance and a seat at the table 
and a voice in key community conversations are not things that any of us or this church community can demand. We can't force our way in sanctuary. If we are to effectively serve this community, we've got to be willing to patiently earn and intentionally maintain the trust of this community. One of our ministry partners here in the, on the north side is an organization called Young Life. And Young Life has a very simple statement that you have to earn the right to speak into the lives of urban youth. You can't just show up and start tossing around instructions and telling people what to do because as urban youth, they'll ask you, who is you? Who are you? Do you know me? I'm saying the same thing to us today. We have to earn the right to speak into the life of North Minneapolis. And the good news is there is a way that we can work towards this goal. We are not hopelessly stuck in an unfixable situation. We can earn and maintain the trust of the North Side. There is a path forward as we seek to earn and maintain the trust of this community. And so how do we move forward as people that God has called holy in a place that God has called holy? How how do we live as trustworthy people before God and in this neighborhood? The first thing we have to do is to become aware of the historical baggage of the church. That's my first point today. We have to become aware of the church's historical baggage. As we seek to earn and maintain the trust of the Northside community, we'll need to grow in our understanding of the ways in which churches have historically let communities like this down. Urban communities often suffer because the general public sees them as somehow less moral than other parts of the society. In the 19th and 20th century, in America and in Europe, there was a growing sentiment that cities were the places where goodness came to die. Cities were seen by many as the places where value and virtue from farm country and small towns came to get snuffed out. And when churches had a chance to do something to dispel this attitude, many churches have instead further fed into this idea that there's something intrinsically wrong with the city. Our church fathers and mothers have asked of the city the same question that was once asked of Jesus' hometown, can any good thing come out of there? While this is not the story of all churches, The church has often been guilty of displacing the people of the city, disparaging the people of the city, devaluing the city, and eventually deserting the city for the green grass and good parking of the suburbs. As we move forward together in ministry here in North Minneapolis, brothers and sisters, I don't want us to be uninformed about our history We are not ahistorical people. We are not people who ignore history. In fact, I'm calling us to be Sankofa people, people who live life by moving forward but gain insight by pausing from time to time to look back and learn from whence we have come. So we've got to learn our history sanctuary. And that history will help us to see why despite good intentions, there will always be people in the community who will be suspicious of our presence and of our help. See, without an awareness of this history, we're prone to assume that those who reject us simply do so because they're sinful. 
people resist the church, it's not always about the sin in their lives. Sometimes it's about the sinful ways that the church has acted and the way that the church has failed to act in urban communities. Brothers and sisters, we've got a gospel challenge. And coming to terms with this history will help us to understand our present, and it will motivate us to live out our faith differently as we move together into the future. Coming to terms with this history will give you and I incredible grace for people who are slow to respond and others who are downright confrontational towards us. Coming to terms with this history will help to ensure that we adopt a different posture as a church and as individuals here in North Minneapolis. What does that posture look like then? Thank you for that question. The second point today is that that posture calls us to become imitators of the Lord Jesus. Point one was simply that we've got to become aware of the historical baggage of the church. And as we are becoming more aware of that historical baggage, I want to challenge us with point two, to become imitators of the Lord Jesus. Our growing awareness of our historical baggage will form us in a posture that is much like that of the Lord Jesus. And what I'm talking about here is a posture that will help us to gain and maintain trust here in North Minneapolis. The Apostle Paul gives us a glimpse of what that posture might look like in the book of 1 Thessalonians there in chapter 2. Thessalonica was a town in Macedonia Philippi, as it was also called, the northern part of what is modern-day Greece. Paul visited there with Silas and Timothy during his second missionary journey. You can read about it in Acts chapter 16 and verse 7, in chapter 17. There was a Jewish temple there. And as was his practice, whenever he went to a new place, Paul went to the temple and reasoned with the Jews there, hoping that they would come to believe on Jesus as the Messiah. And after reasoning with them in the temple for several days, Paul begins to win a number of converts. But many people remained unconverted, and soon Paul is run out of town by these unconverted Jews and a mob. Paul leaves the city of Thessalonica, and he finds his way to the city of Corinth, that same city that we've been studying about for the past several weeks in our previous series. And it's believed that while Paul was there in the city of Corinth, he wrote this letter back to those new believers. They'd only been believers for several months there in Thessalonica. And as Paul is writing in his introduction, he takes the time to describe the ministry that he had carried out while he was there in Thessalonica. And Paul goes to some great lengths to paint a picture of his ministry there as loving and upright. Perhaps there were, there, there were those there who were slandering Paul's efforts. Whatever the reason, Paul takes time to paint a picture of the way that he, Paul, and Silas had lived and served among the people there in Thessalonica. And I want us to read that together. And as we read, I want us to pay attention to the posture of ministry that Paul describes. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And I actually want to begin reading with verse number 1. And we want to read through verse 12. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 beginning with verse number 1, and we'll read through verse 12. The Word of God says, You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, 
But with the help of our God, we dare to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. You know we never use flattery, nor do we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking to, for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. But because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order to not be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses. And so is God of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we deal with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Amen. Paul paints a picture that I want us to learn from today, and, and I, I want to call us to actually imitate as we figure out what it means for us to serve here in North Minneapolis. How might we do it in a way that would allow us to earn trust and then maintain the trust that we have? I, want, I would point us right here to Paul's words. Paul says in verse 2 that he served among the people in the face of strong opposition. He says in verse 3 that he was, his, his serving there was not springing from error or impure motives, nor was he trying to trick the people. Paul says in verse 4 that he was approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, and he was not trying to please people. He was far more concerned with pleasing God. Verse 5, he said, we avoided flattery and we avoided greed. Verse 6, we were not seeking applause or praise from people, nor were we lording our authority over the people, Paul says. Instead, he said, we were like a child among you. We were gentle and humble. He says, I was like a nursing mother among you, nurturing and, 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 and nourishing you. I was caring for you. He says, we were generous among you. We were sharing the greatest gift of all, which was the gospel of Jesus. But even more so, we went farther and we shared our lives. Paul says, we worked and toiled among you as not to be a burden to you. We, we didn't ask anything of you. We cared for ourselves. Verse 10, he says, we were holy and righteous and blameless. Paul says in verse 11, I was before you as a father is to his kids. He says, I was encouraging you. I was comforting you. I was urging you only to live lives worthy of the God who calls you into his kingdom and his glory. Friends, Paul lifts up a menu of the ways in which he, Silas, and Timothy went out of their way to love the people of Thessalonica when they were there. And I know Paul had no concept of North Minneapolis. 
He, he did not have us in mind when he wrote these words. But Paul, this same Paul, did write in 2 Timothy chapter 3.16 that all Scripture comes from God and is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So I believe Paul would be okay with us saying that the ways in which he loved us the Thessalonican people, is a model for how we might love and serve here in North Minneapolis. Paul would be okay with us looking at his description of his ministry there and realizing that Paul served that way because Paul was imitating Jesus. Paul says to us that as we would look to his imitation of Jesus, we would be called ourselves to imitate him as he imitates Christ, to serve gently, to serve with care, to serve generously, to serve in North Minneapolis without being a burden to the community, to strive to always be holy and righteous and blameless in this community, to serve in the spirit of a loving loving father, encouraging North Minneapolis, comforting North Minneapolis, and urging those that we come to know and journey with to live lives that are worthy of the God who has called them heaven in heaven's direction. Brothers and sisters, I can hear Paul saying to us, follow me, imitate me, do what I'm doing because I'm only following, imitating, and doing what I saw the Lord Jesus Christ do. And so how do we earn and maintain trust in North Minneapolis? we need to become aware of the baggage that we carry as a church. And then we need to become imitators of the Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, as we commit ourselves to living among God's people in the way that Paul describes for us today, as we serve God's people in that way, I believe that trust will be earned and trust will be kept in this church. The community will begin to see that we are not simply a church of takers. We are not here to get good property without paying taxes. We actually are here to serve this community. I believe it may take weeks, it may take months and years, but one day we'll look up and realize that this community has come to trust us. As we faithfully imitate Christ, I believe that the Lord will open doors for us that had previously been shut. And I believe that the Lord will give us incredible favor in this community, in this season, and in the days to come. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. You have called us to be your people here in North Minneapolis. God, I pray that we as a church would not take that lightly, that we would always be mindful of the gift that we have to serve here. God, I pray that as we seek and and study and pray and discern what does it mean to be a North Minneapolis church, that we would know that there are many who have been harmed by the church, those who would be suspicious of the church because of the ways in which churches have dealt with this community in the past. God, I pray that we would walk humbly in light of that understanding, that we would extend incredible grace to this community, knowing that many of the things that we're saying to them they've heard before, 
Many of the promises that we might make to them, they've had extended to them before. And there has been real damage done in this community by some who name the name of Jesus. So I pray, God, that we would not want to look different, that we would honestly want to be different, that we might love this, this community differently, that we might serve this community differently. God, I pray that you would raise up leaders from within this community, that Sanctuary would not just be a destination church, but we would be a north side church. So help us, oh God, to live as your people in this place, in this season. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.